This is a Triple J podcast. Happy Night Out Week. Yes, it is a time to celebrate the histories, cultures and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And we're so excited because we want to celebrate someone we're obsessed with. Absolutely. Pip and I cannot say this enough of how much we love drag queen Pamara Fifth. If you don't know who she is, um, Pamara is a Camilla Roy drag queen who's also Maori and her tribe is Nataranga Nui. She was on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under last year on season two. Obviously, I'm a big drag race stan. Have to watch all of the seasons. And honestly, she was robbed. <laughs> she got booted off way too quickly. We didn't get to see the full, like, multifaceted plethora that is her performance art. Yeah, as you can tell, Pip is a huge fan of RuPaul Drag, so she was really, really stoked, and I was as well, that we got the chance to catch up with Pamara a few days ago. She honestly looked so hot, by the way. Just picture this while we're chatting away with her. You know, she's got a really enormous wig that takes up most of the frame of the Zoom call. <laughs> um, she's got the beat. It's on point. It's like airbrushed. She's just gorgeous. Yeah. If you want to have a look at that video, by the way, you can uh, head on over to our Instagram at Triple J The Hookup. But yeah, Pip and I got the chance to chat to Pamara about how they got into drag uh, and how they grew to incorporate their Indigenous culture into their art as well. Also, how First Nations drag has been growing so much in Australia over the past few years. It's gone real mainstream, which is so awesome to see. We also chatted to her about being a drag mom and a queer mentor. And also finding your chosen family. So if anyone listening right now is thinking of getting into drag or is just, you know, discovering their queer identity and, you know, struggling to find people that they connect with. um, Yeah, Pamara has some really, really great advice for you. And of course, we heard the tea, all tea, nothing but the tea. (laughs) Talking about her dating life. I oh, mean, yeah. We it's had to. the hookup. We had to be like, okay, <laughs> spill it. What's happening? Who are you fucking? <laughs> um, let's just say that their dating life is popping off. Yeah, it is really, truly something to behold. So let's get into it. Here's Pamara. Hi, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello. Okay, we have so much to get into when it comes to your journey, your career. Let's start at the very beginning. What kick-started your career in drag, Pamara? Like, what is the Pamara fifth origin story? Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, first of all, I was a very gay kid. Um, Surprise. Shocking. I know. (laughs) But... I was just a very gay kid and I was always into dancing and singing and doing all that because, you know, what fag wasn't. Um, But I then went on to do like, um, I went on to go to performing arts school. And then I just, I think growing up and I was a very fortunate at home to be able to be given like a very free space to just sort of be whatever I wanted to be and whoever I wanted to be. So I guess you know, it was my own journey that I followed and ended up with. And then, I don't know, one day I, I went out, I'd obviously, you know, grew up with movies like Tu Wong Fu and Priscilla and all of that. And then, you know, going out, out and about, I only had girlfriends and they were straight and they what just wanted to go to like the straight clubs. And, you know, you can imagine as a very young gay kid it with all their all their girlfriends around you know being that one gay kid in a straight club and you're just like wow <laughs> <laughs> oh dude yeah, yeah are the straights okay <laughs> yeah i was like oh <laughs> not, bad. 
not that, but you know, I didn't know any better. And then I went out clubbing and saw these amazing drag queens and I was like, oh my God, they do that here in Sydney? Like what? And then I just said, I want to do that. So the next night I went home and I did that <laughs> and I started drag from then on. So you just like threw a dress on, did a bit yeah. of a beat. How, oh, look, how no, janky was it? A bit of a beat is, is still uh, <laughs> an overstatement. Actually, it was, um, it was, it was rough. Yes. It was rough. Um, but you know, that's the best part, you know, drag queens back then, if you didn't come out in the very beginning looking like a bastard, you know, <laughs> it was, um, you know, that was like the staple of starting drag. You sort of had your really ugly bastard period. No, I feel like that's so important, right? It's all about yeah. having the roots there. And, you know, looking back on those photos as well, as you would know, RuPaul loves to bring up an old photo. My God. What? She does. So hateful. Um, but, you know, it's good because then you go, oh, look how far I've come. Exactly. Look at yeah. it go. That is, that is like the cool moment or like the moment you sort of look back with friends and you're like, oh, my God. We went out like that. <laughs> ah, why did no one tell me? <laughs> but you know, back then, and and you know, it was, it was fun. It was, yeah, it was just, it was a fun time. And there's a level of authenticity as win. well when you're not like super worried about it. You're like, I don't care. I'm just starting out. I want to get up on the stage. I want to put a dress on, put some heels on, and go for it. Like, there's something freeing about it, right? Yeah, there really is. I mean, it felt right from the moment I did it. And I must say, when I first came out, I sort of, I used my own hair for my very own performance, first performance. I had really long braids. And yeah, I used my own hair. And then I used to use my own eyebrows as well. But I used to get them waxed like super thin. So 90s. Yeah, so <laughs> as a boy, I kind of look like mischievous all the time like I was up to something I was about to hatch an evil plan <laughs> I love that and because you have a theater kid background I mean that just plays into that so well I love it it really did, it really did. and then um so yeah I, I kind of just started it and you know I was like oh padding oh okay oh boobs oh okay you know and just I was so experimental and just tried like a thousand different things. And that's what I tell kids today is like, you need to try a thousand different things to know exactly where, what you like. And you don't have to stick to one thing. Mm. You know, that's, I guess, what was so freeing about Drag Race is that they had all these different categories and you can do so many different things with it and run with it. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was really fun. But unfortunately with our scene, you know, they were like, well, you know, if you want to be bookable, you've got to look a certain way. You know, it's that it's that cookie cutter drag, essentially. And so I spent my career honing in on it in the first couple of years. Uh, the first year of doing drag, I was able to have my own show. And then I did a lot of competitions as well, like a lot of pageants and competitions, which really helped me sort of like pave that path and just get out there and just do it. Speaking you know, of that yeah. kind of cookie cutter, like look and everything that you have to adhere to in a way to be booked. Um, I want to talk about like sort of your cultural heritage as an indigenous person. Um, how did you find like incorporating that culture into drag? Did you feel like you couldn't do it at the start or do, like, where are you at with that? It's definitely been a journey in terms of like meshing it into my drag. I was very fortunate enough to be part of competitions that did have Aboriginal drag queen judges and stuff. So that was really cool. And it was like, oh, look, there's someone like me. <laughs> wow. But 
incorporating it into my drag really didn't come until later. It was not something that was really well. Let's just put it this way: majority of the scene where I'm where I was from was white. They're all white, and I sort of felt that though I couldn't claim my heritage because of the way I look, so I kind of just didn't. And then it wasn't until I sort of got older and sort of had a little bit more confidence that I was like, you know, fuck it. Like, and I did my research and stuff like that. And I just found, I grew to love it. Like I really grew to fall in love with it. And I was just like over hiding it. I was like, well, not hiding it, but not sort of. Embracing? Embracing yeah. it. Yeah, thank you. yeah. Yeah. Sort of like embracing, incorporating into my drag. And I think it's so special when you do have such an Aboriginal background, Aboriginal and Maori as well. And then you're also a drag queen on top of that. Like, I think it's a really special thing. And I found that and has just, yeah, just become a part of me and part of my drag now. It definitely is. And like you were saying, Pamara, like where you were from and when you started getting into drag, there were only just white drag queens. And I think here in Australia, like you being one of those people who's like spearheading the scene, Felicia Fox, like there's so many people now who are really embracing it just like you have. And we've seen that change over the past couple of years. Um, What's it been like seeing it grow and also seeing shows like RuPaul really represented as well? It's been fantastic. You know, it's... You know, we do have a lot of different people from all different walks of life and cultural backgrounds now in the scene, and it's fantastic. You know, they bring that, they tie it in with their drag, and it's 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 amazing to see in their interpretation. You know, we have a lot of Māori queens as well on the scene now and a few Aboriginal queens. I also was just able to do, uh, during World Pride, there was a massive pageant uh, at Carriage Works here in Sydney, and um, it was called Miss First Nation. And it was basically all the winners of the First Nations drag comp over the years. And then they had special guests. So they invited myself and another person from New Zealand and, a, and another queen from Taiwan. And so we were actually able to compete and, and put our drag on this huge stage in front of thousands for world pride. So that was, that was absolutely incredible. And it was, it, that started out in a little tin shed in Darwin so it it was absolutely incredible to see that and just be a part of it, you know, and be and spend that time with your sisters and your drag sisters and your drag family. And, you know, we had our two guides with us. Miscellaneous was part of that. She was an absolute great guide and helped us along the way. So, yeah, it was it was really incredible. It was really humbling to say. It must have been so special, yeah, just knowing that, like, all your sisters were there as well. Yeah, it was it was incredible, you know, and then we then got to go at the very end of the competition, showcase it all at the Opera House, you know, with Jessica Malboy. So, I mean, that was even, like, you know, what cult, like, what person can say that they've done that for their culture? So it was, yeah, it was really incredible. You know, like, and hearing you talk about it, how Miss First Nations, like, started in Darwin, a little tin shed. I think it was back in 2017. Now you're at Carriage Works. You're on, you're at the Opera House. Mm. Like, the elevation and how fast that's been as well, which is just amazing, seeing it go so mainstream. I think even just saying this now, um, Pamara, like, thinking about community, like, it is, drag is something that really does operate as a community. um, And within that, there are families. And often performers have a drag mother, someone who's a bit of a like a mentor is yep. that something that you have like do you have a drag mom and and who is that to you and and tell us a little bit about your community 
Um, yeah, I mean, I never had a drag mum. You know, I grew up in kind of like a rural town myself. Not rural, rural, but pretty isolated from everything. I grew up in a town called Camden, which is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. So I wasn't really super connected in, and immersed into that community. So I never really had a drag mum. But dr- drawing inspiration, you know, that's how I learned because, you know, the YouTube videos and stuff like that weren't available back then. So I basically went out and saw the people performing and saw my, you know, future sisters performing and gained inspiration from them. And be- I became friends with a lot of them. And I was really a part of that sort of part of that sisterhood it was really special I got to really learn more and more and it's just basically you become like a a virtual sponge really a knowledge sponge just soaking up every ounce and then I later became a drag mom myself so it was it's become full circle and really fun oh my god I love that you're a drag mom I thought that this would come up so who exactly is your drag daughter tell us all about it how did it all come about um, so uh, I met this wonderful young kid and they were a fan of mine and, and really liked my drag and I met them. They were from up north, so they were from up in Newcastle and they were so passionate about starting drag and just really wanted to explore it. And so I was like, all right, well, let's do it. Like they didn't know how, they didn't know what to do or what to get or, you know, how to go about it. So I was like, all right, well, let's do it, you know? And so it sort of just eventuated. They already had their name picked out and they did sit on on having that. So I was like, all right, well, you can have that. And it was Lucinda Rear. Lucinda Rear. So loose in the rear. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love it. I mean, it took a few goes, but we got there in the end. (laughs) So she was dead set on having that. And um, so, yeah, we got to working and, and... you know, she ended up doing a couple of comps and I was showed her the basics and, you know, the makeup and hair and how to style and how to sew and do all stuff like that. When I, when I go to mentor someone and I always say this to people, you know, being a drag mom is not a title for you. It's, it's not this gray accolade. It's not meant to be. It's it's mentoring, you know, you're guiding someone, you're helping someone. And that doesn't stop just because they stop drag. You're always there to help and assist and and whatever they may need. So I'm still that person and I'm always here. I always say like, you know, whatever you need, like I'm always here for an ear and to help. And if you need any advice or whatever. So even if it is, you know, in your regular life. Um, and I have another drag daughter. Her name's called Demi Dumor. Both kids that have slutty fucking names. <laughs> yeah, you can interpret it in so many ways as well. Um, you were saying that the job as a mentor is to give advice. In our hookup fam, there are so many young people who are finding their queer identity and their community right now. So I'd love to get some advice from you about getting into drag and finding your identity. Well, firstly, I will say, you know, drag is not one thing. It's it's not, you don't need to be a glamorous queen with lovely styled hair and pretty makeup and pretty dresses. You don't need to be that. You can be literally anything you want to be. Drag looks how you want it to look. There is no right or wrong way. And even if you don't want to be dra- a, a drag queen, you can be a drag king. Or you can just be someone who likes to dress up and go out. That's the whole fun part about the queer community. Uh, there isn't a right or wrong way of doing anything you know essentially if you want to do it and it brings you joy do it start but the best the most crucial thing i will say is start 
do it. If you want to do it, do it. You want to do makeup, go and get makeup. Even if it is just shitty old cheap makeup, that's where I started. Go and do it. I used to steal eyeshadow palettes out of my mom's drawer. But as long as you start, you have to start. Don't let anything hold you back. Because there are people in the queer community that will embrace you and that will, you know, they won't even bat an eyelid at you. And so if there is something holding you back in your life, try and find an escape. And a queer, the queer community is that escape. So, mm. and we're, you know, welcome one and all. Yeah, spoken like a true mother. I mean, we can just tell that you care so deeply, not only for your drag daughters, but for anyone listening who's discovering themselves. You're like a therapist giving out this advice for free. No worries. You can come and sit on my couch. <laughs> yeah, we'll be booking you in. Oh, absolutely. And look, you know on this same thread about families and having someone to guide you through that process to start out as a drag queen or king or whatever you want to do, Um, something that I always come back to about drag is that it's all about having that chosen family. And like you were saying before, yeah. like some queer people might not even bat an eyelid. Like they, you might not connect. But as somebody who um, is an Indigenous queen, like I'm wondering like how important for you, how important is that for you like as a queer person moving through this world, as a drag queen as well, as an Indigenous person, like that kind of sense of your chosen family and your community around you? It's very important now. You know, you don't realise it's there until you sort of get halfway through it and you're like, oh, my God. Like, okay, this is what people were talking about. Oh, right. Because... When it is like, it really is like a family. We will bicker and we will fight with each other and, you know, we'll scratch each other's eyes out and, you know, we'll get on Instagram and be like, you know, this person, (laughs) she's a bitch. I hate her. (laughs) You know, she did this. Did you hear about this? You know, it's, it's very that. It's that weird dysfunctional family. But at the end of the day, it's still family. We are still there for one another. And if anyone tried to come for any of us, we've got everyone's back. You know, we've got each other's back. And that's what's really important. I'm very close with my family, my biological family, especially my mother and my sister. And having that chosen family is really, really special. It's that connection, that connection to your art form and what you do, you know, and I get to share that with not only people from the same culture as mine, but with all different walks of life. And I think that's even, that's even better, you know, you know, you gain more knowledge from hearing other people's experiences. And I think with, you know, a lot of people aren't as fortunate as myself who are, who have, you know, a great mother and a great sister, they don't have anyone. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, that were kicked out of home at the age of like 14 and were essentially homeless because their parents didn't like the fact that they came out to them. And it just, sometimes it just, it happens. We have a lot of people from all walks of life, not only homeless, but they have a bad family situation or whatever the case may be. So having that chosen family and having that community around you is really essential. And it is there for you if you need it. But the moment you start acting a fool, you'll be slapped the fuck down. That is a warning to anyone who crosses Pomara. It's an official PSA. PSA. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Pomara, obviously this is the hookup. We're a dating sex relationship show. So we have to ask about your love life. Oh, God. Where are we at? Are we (laughs) dating? Are we on the apps? Have we been on them previously? Where are you at the moment? Do you want the full tea? Yes. Yes. Don't hold back. Do not hold back. Let's just say there's plenty of men, but non 
none locked down. Have we got a roster? Um, Have we got a little a roster? roster? <laughs> Are they on their oh, roster? Mama, Mama, she has got. She has got a full-on calendar. She, people have people have labels. There are labels. There are labels for things, and I have them in categories. Stop! That. No, that Stop is so. This. Are you a Type A kind of person? You seem very organized with this. I am with my man. <laughs> are we? Have we got? Because you know how, like, when you're dating, everyone gets a name, and it's never their actual name. It's like guy from weird guy from the bar, or like guy from Hinge, or whatever. Like, or do like you, hog dick. Yeah, like went curved yeah, to the right. Like, yeah. <laughs> is that what we're talking when you're talking about? Like, you've got them in categories and their names. If so, usually it's via Snapchat. So nobody try and add me on Snapchat. Don't even try it. Um, <laughs> but. It's usually on Snapchat because that way it's it's easier for me. I can see when they've opened something. You don't have to show everything you don't want to show. You know, mm. It's just easier. It's easier. And um, so if they don't have their real name in their Snapchat, I will name them based off usually their penis. Can we get a few? We, like, need, brackets, a, we need a few. Yeah. In brackets and how I how I categorize them is based on where I met them. Yeah. What position they are and where they live. Oh, okay. I am so obsessed with this. Okay. Would it be too so much to like, ask to get a few examples? Bottom Liverpool. <laughs> it's the only way you would be able to remember. There's too many Alexes, there's too many Toms, there's too many Mama, Mats. I can't. I can't keep up. I can't no. keep up. And I'm telling you right now, the amount of fucking white men that have the name Alex. <laughs> Not it. Not it. So, sorry, but y'all getting different names now. <laughs> oh, so God. Good. I love that so much. The I roster. Need... I would love to be in your DMs I at one point. It must f- be a mess. Oh, I need a tour. I need a tour. A I want to see every name. Also, on... I mean, I would give you a tour, but they're all very discreet and, um, like, they are not out. Okay, fair. Fair, okay. very fair. fair. They, I would say majority of them are usually straight. Yeah. Mm. Or if not bi or yeah. pansexual. Yeah. Yeah. So never gay. Yeah. Yeah. How do you yeah, like how do you find that, I guess, as somebody hooking up who's um not out yet? Like, is it kind of difficult or is it like an emotional experience? Or are they like you know, like cause is there an inexperience okay, as well? Way. Like, I don't know. I'll put it this way. Have you ever been on a diet? Have you ever been on a diet and you're like, I need to stick to this. I really need to stick to this diet really well. But sometimes the temptation is just, it's there. And you have like that, like little chocolate or like that treat that you have sort of stashed away. It may be in like your glove box, in your car or in a drawer in your room. Yeah. And that's like your little secret. that I'm picturing it right now. now (laughs) Yeah. You sort of just take that out every now and again when you need it. That's what this is. Mm. It's that, it's that little, it's that treat, that little secret treat that you need. That is really interesting because I guess I equate like somebody who might not be out yet as somebody who might be like a bit more inexperienced and maybe like not as good in the bedroom. But like, I mean, also people operate double lives. They could be doing it all time, all weekend. They could be very experienced and still not out to their family or friends or whatever. So I don't know. Well, I'm either a dominant bottom or a dominant top. So either way, you're going to learn fast. Oh, (laughs) bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Taking notes. Got to take oh, yeah, notes. take notes. But, um, yeah, they, I mean, usually a lot of them 
because of the way we present, because a lot of the time I do it whilst I am dressed, yeah. you know, mm. and I look like this, a lot of them, they like the female appearance. They're yeah. not attracted to men at all whatsoever. They just like the female appearance, but they want something that's a little bit more spicy. Mm. They like the chicks with a dick. And hey, like, it is, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. And when I tell you we're talking thousands, like thousands in Sydney, yeah um it's it's crazy it's crazy and you know i i do have that sort of soft spot because at the end of the day you know they may be in a marriage or with a girlfriend or in a family situation where they can't openly talk about these experiences mm. i've met one one out of i'm not going to give you a number but oh. one out of a lot of men <laughs> one out of a lot of men that have ever been open about it that's wow. so interesting. With their, with their partner? With the world, yeah. Wow. They don't, you know, they're just like, well, that's, you know, it's my thing. That's what I like. And I was sort of taken back, like, holy shit, like, good for you. Yeah. Round definitely. two. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to treat. Lube up, babes. We're treat. going again. <laughs> Hell yeah. Their oh. names changed on the roster, that's for sure. They've oh, got, yeah. They've got a gold star. They've got a gold star. I was about to say, they've got an emoji. Got yeah. an emoji. Oh, my God, the emoji is everything. Yeah. We could yeah. unpack that, but we just simply don't have the time. Oh, uh, no, that's for another segment. Oh we need a whole segment dedicated to this because, trust me, I could, I could tell you some things. We could fill an hour for sure. I'm like, oh, yeah. seriously, I've got so many questions, but yeah, <laughs> I'm curious though, um, Pamara, before we let you go, like when you are on tour um, or potentially like RuPaul, um, we recently spoke to Monet Exchange who said that like, you know, it's not super common, but like sometimes drag queens will hook up with each other. Is that something that you've experienced? Absolutely not. No way. I'm not getting with the rest of these cross-dressers. Absolutely <laughs> not. They wish. No, look, I, I'm not, I'm a very sex positive person. I believe that is just the way to be. You have to be open-minded to everything. There is no room for any naivety or closed doors in your mind at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I've gotten with women. I would do it again. I've gotten with men. I've gotten with trans women, trans men. You know, I don't care. So, yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I have definitely been with someone with another drag queen but i haven't been with another drag queen before no not just one-on-one -on -one. but again like i said it's not out of the realm of possibility i mean they have to get undressed first because you know i like what i like yeah. but not out of the not out of the realm of possibility especially on tour god you get so tired and things mm. find a way into yeah. your system and sometimes you just you just do things, you know? You're just not yourself. Sometimes it'd be late at night and you're in a random city. You knock on the wrong bedroom door yeah, and you're like, well, shit, I'm already here. You know? We may as well. We may as well. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. God. This has been such a fun chat, Pamara, honestly. Yeah. When you say you really are like an open book and open to anything like you just that energy just comes across so much and yeah like especially your very caring nature and talking about community and family and and um being a drag mom as well it's been so nice to to chat to you and hear all of that and I think it'll be 
Yeah, so nice for anyone listening who wants to get into drag or who just, I don't know, just for anyone listening just in general. I'm like, fucking, we can learn a lot from you. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, like it's just great to get your perspective as well as somebody who is such a beautiful Indigenous queen and has such strong ties to culture as well. And, like, yeah, hearing about your journey coming from Camden to now, um, yeah, it's just been awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so fun. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you guys. And I really hope, yeah, anyone that's listening, I hope, you know, it helped. And if you've got any questions, don't don't email me. No. <laughs> I was going to say, no DMs. Snapchat no DMs. Snapchat's um, open. <laughs> no, no, God, no, God, no. No, shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Oh, no, honestly, if you have any questions or you really are struggling with something, my DMs are always open and I do read my messages a lot of the time. So you can message me if you need Oh, love you, Pamara. We love you. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Oh, my God. Isn't she the best? I love her. It was so much fun. <laughs> oh, it was such a good chat. So thank you again to Pamara for taking the time. And if you are a fan of her or you want to get to know her a little bit more, do go follow her on her social media. It's Pamara.fifth. And if you want to catch her live, she's going to be performing and wandering around uh, Melbourne Drag Expo, which is happening on the 12th and 13th of August. Also, we love bringing you these bonus episodes where we get to, you know, really bring you someone and their whole story. So if there's anyone that comes to mind that you'd love us to interview, uh, yeah, definitely head on over to our Insta and DM us and give them a shout out. But we'll catch you next time. See ya. 